West Virginia versus Penn State game is less than one week away, folks. We're getting closer and closer to the start of the 2023 football season. And one question that lingers in the minds of West Virginia fans, is this game really a true rivalry game? Well, I'm going to bring on someone who has played in this game, and he's going to give us his thoughts right after this word from our sponsor. Ladies and gentlemen, this episode is brought to you by Dutch Miller Automotive, where friends and family pricing means you get the best deal right up front on any new or pre-loved vehicle in stock every time. With brands like Chevrolet, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, Kia, Hyundai, Ford, GMC, Buick, and Subaru, the Dutch Miller Automotive family is always growing and ready to put you in the car or truck you've been searching for. Check out our inventory across West Virginia at DutchMillerAuto.com or come in today to the home of friends and family pricing only at a Dutch Miller Automotive store near you. What is up, college sports fans, Big 12 fans, fellow members of Mountaineer Nation? Welcome in to another edition of Coos's Corner. Belly yourself up to the bar and let me pour you out a shot of top-shelf college football content on tap in today's episode. We are talking about the Penn State versus West Virginia game coming up just in a few days. I'm recording this on Monday, August 28th. The game is just six short days away, folks. Actually, five days away at this point, right? I can't wait. I'm excited. I've been waiting for this day for months now, right? All of us have as Mountaineer fans and even Penn State fans. We're all excited. One of the debates been going on on social media, is this game really a true rivalry? Well, I brought on Eugene Napoleon, former West Virginia running back, and we're going to talk about just that. We're also going to preview the game a little bit, and at the end, we will give our score prediction. So without further ado, Mr. Eugene Napoleon. How you doing, Eugene? Blessed. I'm blessed, man. What's up? Hey, man, it's great to have you on today. I appreciate you taking your time to do this. I appreciate you. Thank you for having me back. I appreciate you. Sure thing. Uh, before we get into the nuts and bolts of this show, can you just share real quick what you have going on and where the viewers and listeners can find you? Ooh, that's a lot. <laughs> Always busy. But um, on YouTube, you can find me. I have my own little podcast show, Napoleon's Corner, that comes on uh, 7 o'clock every Wednesday. And, of course, I have um, Relatively Sports with Eugene Napoleon, which is on every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And uh, that's where I bring on guests. We normally, you know, go live and it, it's not just about sports. It's about a few other different topics, but, you know, mainly sports. The guys that I bring on have, have been fortunate enough to have played uh, in the young ladies as well, professional, be it WNBA or, you know, at the collegiate level. So it's pretty right. cool. I just want people to get a different perspective of pretty much all of it, you know, because it is relatively sports for a reason. Uh, a lot of these people have, like I said, they've played, but, on the business side, I want the fans and, and, and the parents and, you know, the, the, the young people who watch it to kind of get a overall perspective of what mm -hmm. this is all about. Right. Now that's over. Now is that on your channel or is that over on the Mountaineers Now channel? That's on Mountaineers Now. Relatively Sports is on the Mountaineer Now uh, channel. Yes. Right. Okay. That's what I thought. Was, and uh, and you, you're you also a guest on there with Scholar Callahan occasionally, right? Absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we, we, we have a ball. Now the walkthrough game day show is back. Uh, really happy myself and Scholar for the fourth year. Uh, so we're excited about that. Can't wait. We got a lot of stuff brewing. <laughs> yeah, good deal. And as you can see there, guys, on the screen, I have Eugene's Twitter handle on the screen at Napoleon underscore Eugene or X. I guess it's X now. I, I yes. don't know what to call it. Uh, yeah. And also on the bottom of the screen, I have the name of his YouTube channel, Napoleon's Corner. And, uh, of course, you can also find Eugene on Facebook as well. Thank you. Let's get – Yes, sir. Let's dig right into the show, Eugene. I'm excited. 
it's game week, baby. It's finally here. Uh, you and I were talking off air about how, you know, this game, I was 12 years old the last time this game was played. So it's been a while. It's been over 30 years and uh, since they played this game. And a lot of Mountaineers, myself included, because we've never really seen this game played, it's been so long, it's hard for us to view this game with the same amount of passion as we do Pitt or Virginia Tech, you know, Maryland, some of the other rivals. And some people will say it's not even a rivalry uh, for that reason. Number one, we don't play. And two, it's kind of been one-sided, 48-9, to nine, uh, advantage to Penn State. But you have a little different perspective. And can you explain to my listeners and viewers what makes this such a, a, a great game and a rivalry game for Mountaineer, for Mountaineer fans? Absolutely. It, it, it's similar to the pit game, right? It's similar to the backyard brawl in that, for whatever reason, Penn State, as well as Pitt, always view WVU as their little brother. You, you understand? So yes. whenever you have that type of comparison, yeah, you're going to have this feeling that you're less than because that's how they view you. And for years, when you look at the rivalry, as far as the records are concerned, when you play somebody that many times, it, yeah, it's a rivalry. Whether you're on the losing end or winning end, it's a rivalry. The okay. other piece that I think people forget, it's the recruiting areas. It's the recruiting areas. When you're recruiting in the Northeast, and, and typically Jersey, South Jersey, the Tri-State, you're in the same recruiting area. It's going mm -hmm. to be a rivalry because you got the Penn State coaches in here, you know, obviously bigging up their program, talking about why they should come to Penn State. You got West Virginia in here doing the same exact thing. That in itself presents an off-field rivalry because you're in the same recruiting area. The on-field rivalry is, like I said, that comparison of the big brother, little brother deal. No, we're not little brothers to anybody. Unfortunately, over the, you look at the, like you said, you look at the, 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 the ratio of wins to losses when we played them over those years. Mm -hmm. And no, we haven't come out on top all the time, but I say this to you. When we have beat them, we beat them soundly. Right. So it's one of them deals where uh, I put up a, a post just the other day, um, with Major Harris with that 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 ankle breaking run that he had mm -hmm. when we beat him, you know, during the other seasons on the Phoenix season. And I put at the top of it, the caption read, Penn State remembers. And then I, I, put I up, saw that post. Yep. Yeah. I put up a post of my touchdown run in the same capture, Penn State remembers. Mm -hmm. Now the funny thing is, after that, a few of their players that played in that game that I know very well hit me. <laughs> it was like, come on, <laughs> come on, man. I, I bet. <laughs> so it's funny. It's, it's, it's good uh, when you go back and forth. But the truth of the matter is, listen, to have a true rivalry, you have to respect each other. And I really believe the lack of respect from Penn State side to our side really fueled that even the more. So every time we played them, we wanted to prove a point that we're supposed to be on the field with you. Mm -hmm. You understand what I'm saying? So I do. Yeah, it, it, it truly is just like playing Pittsburgh. My years there, whenever we played Penn State, whenever we played Pitt, it was in for my perspective it was mm -hmm. the same burning gut desire to beat them just as it was when we played pit same yeah. exact feeling okay. same exact that's feeling. that's cool it's good to know that because because like i told you off camera and like i've mentioned in my opening you know it's been so long since we played a lot of younger fans heck even i'm a, I'm a middle-aged guy even middle-aged fans don't we don't remember the game i was alive but i was a kid i don't really remember it so right. um 
So yeah, I, for me, it's it's a big game for various reasons because number one, like you said, the recruiting. I mean, you look at Rodney Gallagher, our, four, the four star receiver we have, and I know you don't like star ratings, but the receiver we've got, uh, star receiver who's expected to play as a true freshman. We out recruited Penn State for him. You know, we've got the wide receiver Devin Carter who we were able to get out of the portal who had actually verbally committed to Penn State and then flipped to West Virginia. So there's definitely been some recruiting battles. Uh, you know, we obviously don't come out on the winning side every time. Those are just two examples of when we have. Right. But to your point, you know, we're, we're going after the same guys in a lot of cases, just like and, – and Pitt's going after those same guys as well. Absolutely. And then – and then Because let me, let, me, let me share this real quick. Yeah. I'm sorry to cut you off. No, no, you're good. It goes right back to that, to that one piece. I want to just clarify something because a lot of people don't understand why I don't believe in the star system or star rating. Mm-hmm. I've been in, at this long enough to understand and I've seen it throughout a longer period of time. That's why I feel I can speak on it. Just because a young person doesn't have the amount of stars does not deem them less than. And there's right. a reason for that. I've seen guys that were five-star guys they didn't play against really good competition in their particular areas of high school ball. Not their fault. I'm just making this, I'm just stating right. a fact. Right. So you get the five-star rating because they were able to go to these different camps, which has become a money game at this particular mm-hmm. point. If you have mm-hmm. the finances and the resources to go to umpteen billion camps, you're going to get a better rating. Okay, cool. The issues become when you didn't play against really great competition consistently in high school, and then you get to college because of your five-star rating and, 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 and people think that you're supposed to come in and be the God savior to that particular program. And it doesn't happen. You let the air out the balloon with some of these kids. Some of these kids yeah. don't know how to bounce back from that. They really believe the hype of I was a five-star. That stuff doesn't matter. Just because you did that in, in high school doesn't mean that's going to always translate to college. Right. And to, for me, that's why the whole star system and all of that, when I came out, okay, back then it wasn't, we didn't have the star system. We had, I was a blue chip All-American. Okay. So that's, I guess that would have been considered a five-star guy, a national recruit, 80 scholarship offers plus, whatever. Right. Man, for me, I'm glad I didn't buy into that hype, but I was raised in a way where I still did the dishes and made my bed and right. took the garbage out. So my yep. mother didn't care about none of that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep, you, couldn't I get it. Big, you couldn't have a big head in my house. And I definitely appreciated that. But I just wanted to clarify that because I don't want people to misconstrue why I don't subscribe to the five, four, three-star rating. I don't care about none of that. You still have to be able to come to this level and play at the big boy level and be as dominant or as consistent as you were at the high school level. Mm-hmm. And I really do believe if you go across the board and you look at rosters at the collegiate level, be it FBS or FCS, let me tell you something. You will find there's a lot of those guys that are two-star guys or one-star or no-star guys that are purely balling out. Yeah. I, I want to – there's actually an example right now, Eugene. I'm glad – I'm, I'm kind of glad we brought this topic up. It's, it's, it's especially around the state of West Virginia, and you, you've probably seen it and read about it. Tyson Bajant from Shepherd University, Division II guy, had no no uh, FBS offers, not even any Division One offers for that matter, coming out of right. high school in Martins. I think he's from Martinsburg High School. Went to Shepherd, broke about every record you can break at Shepherd College or Shepherd University. 
stayed there through his entire four years. He did he did kick the tires on coming to you know coming to West Virginia or whatever. It, it didn't work out for whatever reason. But he was a zero star recruit. And guess what? He just got became the second string quarterback for the Chicago Bears. Uh, either yesterday or today, it was announced. So oh, because of because of his performance in the preseason. So that's, that's it. a modern day example of it right here. That's it. But I'm going to say this real quick on that same topic. It's because what people don't really get, success stems from consistency, mm -hmm. not five stars. Consistency. If you put good film out there and you're consistent in doing that, mm -hmm. you're going to get a look. Doesn't matter where you went. Doesn't matter who you played for. You're going to get a look because at the, at the professional level, be it NFL, CFL, AFL, they're looking for consistency. Now, of course, if you are a mega, mega superstar at a power five or whatever level you're playing on, yeah, oh, come on, of course, that, that goes without saying. But I'm right. talking about the middle of the road guys that nobody really know about that are balling because what, mm -hmm. for your fan base, let me, for the edification of your fan base, check this out. Do you know, if you look at any NFL roster, NFL rosters are made up primarily of free agents and late round draft picks. You know why? They have to balance the books. Right. You can't have everybody being a first rounder. Right. It's a business. The bottom line has to be balanced. Those mm -hmm. books are balanced. Those contracts are balanced with late round draft picks or free agents. Yep. And those guys are very, very good and talented mm -hmm. football players. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. So I just wanted to, yeah. you know, I just wanted to clarify that. Yeah. Great. Great. I appreciate you bringing that up. That's a great, uh, great topic. Um, as far as, you know, back to the Penn State thing, you know, and one of the things I was talking, I'm going to mention, one of the things that makes this game this year so big is, you know, everybody's picking West Virginia to be, I mean, I, I was debating it with a guy last night on Twitter who said West Virginia is going to win one game this year, and that's Duquesne. And I told him he was out of his mind. Okay. Uh, there's no, there's no way this team's going to be that bad. Number two, they were picked to finish last in the Big 12 by almost every media outlet. They picked Garrett Green, who we assume is going to be the starter. Nobody's announced it yet, but I think we assume he's going to be the guy. Picked him to be the worst. Worst said he was the worst quarterback in all of Power 5 football. I mean, apparently somebody didn't watch the three games he uh, – or the two games he started in plus the game he came in in relief and won, by the way, against Oklahoma by the way, last year. Uh, but nonetheless, I mean, there's just everybody's in the national media, and even, even some in our own fan base, are really down on this team. And if this team is likely going to have a chip on their shoulder the size of the state of Texas going into this game, and it's an opportunity for this team to make a huge statement and get what many would say would be the largest win in West Virginia history, at least in the regular season in front of the biggest crowd they've ever played in front of, the highest-ranked team they would have ever beaten on the road, those kind of things. So, to me, that makes this game massive. Um, what do you say to that and, and all the doubters out there who were who were saying, ah, this team has no chance? Well, okay, first off, and, and that's and, and to my point, that's exactly what I mean. When, whenever, for some odd reason, again, West Virginia has always – we've always been – the quote-unquote underdog, right? Yeah. Always been the team most likely to get any type of real national acceptance when it comes to playing against 
you know, what will be considered a blue blood, which I can't stand that term either. Because right. the last I checked, when you think about a blue blood, right, whenever you're ranked in the top 20 of the history of college football, then what does that make you? <laughs> okay. So I don't want to yeah. go off the rails with that. But, yeah, we are a top 20 in the history of this freaking sport. West Virginia is a top 20 program in the yeah. history of college football. So, okay. Yeah. I personally believe, unfortunately, the team gets – the lack of respect and the non-credit because of people looking at Neil Brown, our head coach. Right. Yeah. And because you're thinking, okay, these players have not been developed. They haven't played to their potential over the last three to four seasons. This is going to be another season and they have a really difficult record. I mean, really difficult schedule. So their record right. is not going to be indicative of the schedule. The schedule is too tough. Okay. I get all of that, but you brought a really good point. Um, we have scholarship players too. We got guys that want to play too. So mm -hmm. it's not like you're going to go off there, roll your helmet on the field and not get in this game to participate in this game. So they're going to show up. Okay. My thing is, no, so whoever said we're going to win one, come on now, stop, stop, stop it. No, we're going to win more than one game. Let me be clear about that. Mm -hmm. I just think what will happen is, and again, I, let me. I have nothing against Neil Brown. You understand? I think he's a. I think he's a really good guy. Okay. Mm -hmm. Right. Over the course of the season, what you may see, you may see the inconsistency in certain things that's called from the top down. You, the players don't run on the field by themselves. The staff prepares them and puts them on the field. Right. Right. You might see it, in, and hopefully, hopefully you don't. But realistically. What's been happening over the last two to three seasons, you see the inconsistency in play calling. You see mm -hmm. the, the major mistakes in games. You see the mismanagement of opportunities, time management, clock management, those type of things. That's on the staff. That's not on the players. Right. So I can understand if the quote-unquote experts of college sports, whomever they may be, <laughs> I can I can definitely digest their notion of this is going to be one and the same because they're coached by the same head coach. Yeah, We've seen a sample size. Now we've seen a full portion meal of what they look like coached under this particular head coach. Okay. And if they didn't win in the schedules that they've had prior to this is probably arguably the toughest schedule he's had since he's been at the helm at WVU. So I'm just being realistic. I'm playing devil's advocate yeah. a little bit. No, I get I, it. No, I, I'm with you. Right. I can see why someone would say, no, those guys, they'll beat Duquesne. That'll be it. No, nah, I, I, no. If you know Neil Brown and you look at his history, Neil Brown has always won games that he wasn't supposed to win. Mm -hmm. Okay. If you look at his history. I'm hoping and praying that this year he wins about five games that he's not supposed to win. How about that? Uh -huh. Okay. Look, plus mm -hmm. Duquesne, so that'll make us bowl eligible. Right. <laughs> now, am I happy with six wins to be completely forthright? No, I am not happy with six wins because I believe we have enough talent to be better than a six-win team. Right. Yeah. Uh, you cut out there for a minute, Eugene. It must have been an internet thing. What I heard the Duquesne part. What were the other five wins you had? Uh, so I was saying that 
Neil Brown, if you go back through his history, he's ha- he's always mm-hmm. had a situation to where he's won games that he had no business winning. Right. And my point was, I'm hoping and praying for this season that he wins five of those games that he's not supposed to win, plus Duquesne, right. which will make us go gotcha. eligible. Yeah, <laughs> right. Well, and my argument has been this, Eugene. We play – we we were fortunate, and I think it's fortunate that we are playing all four of the new incoming Big 12 teams this year. I mean, we Absolutely. should – we should win – we should win all those games, but at least win three of them, in my opinion. Because those teams – I'm not saying those teams aren't good teams. But when you go from playing the schedule they've been playing to playing a Power 5 team week in, week out, it's going to take a toll on your depth. It's going to take a toll on you physically, mentally, everything, right? Absolutely. So I just don't – and those teams aren't going to be used to that. West Virginia, for all you can say about them, they have been playing a Power 5 schedule. Even They've even been playing more Power 5 games than most teams out there, actually. Absolutely, When yes. you look at their non-con schedule, they're going to be battle-tested and ready to play this Power 5 schedule. Whereas these teams are not those four teams. Now you could say BYU is to a degree, but even they've only been playing four to five power five schools a year, not, not nine or 10, you know? Right. But BYU, I'm going to tell you something about BYU. I respect that program because listen, you're always going to BYU. You're always going to get a well-coached team, Mm -hmm. a scrappy team, a very good, because you, you, you look at, we talk about, you know, five and four star kids, right? That this is right. a great segue into that. They don't get four and five star kids consistently. But yet right. still they can develop talent well enough where they're always competitive. Right. I respect BYU's program. So that's gonna be a tough game because you're gonna have to outright beat BYU. They typically Absolutely. don't beat themselves. You, you know what right. I mean? They, they typically beat themselves. So I respect that. But I do agree. Even with a BYU, um, over the years, you know, you 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 look at the, the 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 schedule that they have, and it's not a consistent schedule where they're playing top ranked, you know, teams and mm-hmm. really good teams from roster wise from top to bottom every season, every every week. So this is right. going to be an interesting thing for them. And plus, the travel, the travel is going to be interesting, you know, uh, for these four schools. Specifically right. BYU because of the distance as to where they have to come and go. You know what I mean? So it's mm-hmm. going to be interesting to see how that plays into throughout the long course of the whole season. It's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you 100%. Um, switching gears for a minute and, and let's take a look at, you know, on the field, what the Mountaineers, what do you think if West Virginia wants to get over that hump and, and win seven, eight football games, like, you know, like they have historically done year in, year out, right? Seven, eight, nine games a year. What do you think they need to do this year to get to that point where they can get back to West Virginia football? What's the key for this be, team, in your opinion? I gotta be I gotta be honest with you. And and again, it starts from the top down. Our coaching staff has to be brought in to really understanding play your best players. Play your best players and let them play. You have to let these guys go. I remember uh, talking to Green before he came to WVU, was, was mm-hmm. you know, when he first committed years ago. And there was something about that young man. I told Scott with this, I've always loved his tenacity. I've always loved his moxie. There's something about him where he has the it factor. 
He's going to play regardless of the scoreboard. Yep. He got that dog in him, if that makes yep. sense. I, I, so I totally agree with you. You have to have guys like that on the field. So, I, and I don't care what position, they have that extra button. No matter mm-hmm. what the score is, the scoreboard is zero to zero for, in his head until the clock strikes zero zeros across the board. He's going to play. So, starts with the coaches letting these guys loose, right? Then it starts with don't look and read your press clippings. I don't, cl- I don't care what you, you know, and again, that's a staff thing. That's a coaching thing. You have to maximize. Here's what we're doing. Let the main thing, as Deion Sanders says, let the main thing be the main thing. We know that people don't think we're going to win many games. We know that if you read ever, okay, Neil Brown's job is, is he's on the hot seat. We know all of that. Mm-hmm. Regardless of that, we got to go out and play our game. Now, early, we're going to see exactly what our game is because we're fortunate to play Penn State first, Duquesne, and then Pitt. So those three weeks, no disrespect to Duquesne, okay? Mm -hmm. That's a nice sample size real quick of where you're going to find out what your team is all about. Offensively, defensively, special teams, coaching Mm -hmm. staff-wise, making good calls, bad calls, whatever they are, you're going to find out in the first three weeks what we have and then build on that. I think the last piece would be no matter what it is, you have to play consistent football. I think sometimes watching over the last two to three seasons, I wasn't happy with how we showed up on defense in some of these games Mm -hmm. because I'm used to West Virginia being punch you in the mouth. I'm used to that defense being so physical that didn't matter what the scoreboard read. Those guys limped off the field. They knew they were in a game. So for me, and again, that's what I go back to when I look at the history of, of, of my years there. Man, we didn't play defensively. Oh, you knew you got you, – you came – I don't care if we played on the road or in Morgantown. You knew when you played the Mountaineers, oh, yeah, are you going to be licking your wounds for two or three weeks after? So I've always yeah. looked forward to that because that's something you can hang your hat on. We got to get yep. back to smash mouth football on the offensive line – offensive side of the ball, and on defense. We got to bring it to these guys. And I think if you do that, more times than not, you break wills of other teams in games that you're not supposed to win. You break mm-hmm. their will. You really yeah. do. You break their will. So have- physical football, not mistake-free because that's unrealistic, but to a certain degree, consistent consistent football on, in all three phases of the game. Coaches, let these young pups ball out. Let them play. Let them play. Let the personalities come out. Because if you do that, you're going to wind up, I'm telling you, we'll wind up winning some games that people will say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, wait. West Virginia beat who? Wait a minute. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm telling you, it, those, yeah. that's the recipe to me to upsetting some teams that we're not supposed to be on the field with. Agreed. Yeah, I was, I mean, I've been a, I've been a Garrett Green guy really, really, really since he came out probably about the middle of last year when I when I could see the writing on the wall that JT Daniels was not going to be the guy. Right. You know, his game regressed for whatever reason over the course of the year. And at that point, I'm like, you know, let Garrett in. It's Garrett's turn. He's been here for three years. He's waited it out. He's been patient. Let's see what he can do. And when they finally did give him that chance, man, he, he went out and made the best of it. And 
I was he just and he played that way. He played like a guy who's got that dog in him. He played like a man, a man on fire, so to speak, right? Absolutely. And I and I love that. And I know he's a quarterback, and I know Neil gets frustrated at times because he's too emotional and all that. But man, to me, let the guy if if he's an emotional player, let him play that way. Let him be comfortable. Let him be himself. You know, that's that's my opinion. No, that's a great opinion. You know why? That's what coaching is. You got to figure out what you got and then play and then coach to that player's strengths. That's what coaching is, right? So I don't care if he's emotional. Fine. Just make sure that in the checks and balances that your emotion doesn't cost us. Right. And he, the way that that kid plays nine times out of 10, it's because he plays at such a high level emotionally that it winds up having him break two and three and four tackles. It has him make a throw that you don't think should be made, but it's a completion because the other players feed off of that energy. Yeah. What One of the arguments, though, I've heard made, and me and my my buddy Mountaineer Paul talk about this ad nauseum, we've, we've debated about it multiple times, is because of the way Garrett Green plays, he opens himself up to more risk of injury, right? Right. And he – and that's that's a concern some people have. What what are your thoughts on that as as a former player yourself? What are your thoughts about a guy, especially at the quarterback position, uh, who plays with such a I'll, I'll call it reckless abandon or emotion or and who runs the ball a lot? That's just face it. And he's not a huge guy either, right? Uh, what do you Let say to that? It's it's interesting, and that is a good. Those are valid points, especially at that position. But football is a violent sport. At any position, you can get hurt. Heck, mm-hmm. the punters get hurt. So um, at, right. the end of, at the end of the day, yeah, you, you're, you're right. There's a big when you open yourself up because your style of play, but mm-hmm. it's funny. I've seen quarterbacks who were dual threat quarterbacks and they didn't play the way that they normally play their game and then get hurt in the pocket. Yeah, very true. They get hurt in the pocket because – do you start to listen to how people tell you how you should play the position versus feeling the game? Cause that's what, that's what it is in any sport. You, f- the great ones, they feel it. Mm-hmm. You understand? They feel it. So you're playing yep. off of that natural God giving instinct versus robotic. How somebody's telling you how to play the position. So that's what I love about his game. He's feeling the game, every single snap, every single play. He's not robotic. He's going to let his game, his arm, his decision-making, the vibe of the game, the energy of the game, the pace of the game, that's how he's going to play it. I would ride with that kid because of his style of play before I would ride with someone who's robotic because they don't feel the game. Yep. If that makes sense. It does make sense. And I'll be honest, that word robotic is is a great word because, and again, I like Neil Brown. I think he's a good dude. But at times, I feel like he's a little robotic in the way he he thinks, he manages games. Uh, the word, the phrase paralysis by uh, – or analysis by paralysis comes to mind. Absolutely. Or, or maybe I said that backwards, but you, you, know. you know where I'm going. Absolutely. Uh, it, no, you're 100% right. Listen, don't coach to lose a game by 10 points. Yeah. Don't Don't have that philosophy of coaching. And nobody's – what I'm saying, there are certain points in a, in a football game where you're going to have to make the hard call. That's why you're making the, the money that you're making, right? Mm-hmm. 
And right. I don't, not just in any of these coaches, right? So you coach to put your, your, your team in the best position possible. So you can't be so robotic that the analytics is telling you third or, or, or fourth and one, we're going to punt. Because analytically, where we are on that side of the field, you have to punt. Get out of here with that nonsense. I've never seen analytics line up and get uh, one yard on fourth and one. Stop it. Uh, amen. So, so my point is, you have to you have to be it again. Going back to the feel of the game and the energy of the game. This Penn State game is going. To, I'm glad we're opening with Penn State. I'm glad we're opening at Penn State. Prime time game, the seventh ranked team in the country. I'm glad. Because if we punch them in the mouth, you will send shockwaves through college football. Absolutely. But you can't do it worrying about analytics. You win the analytic, you win the analytics battle, right? But you lose the game. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I, you got to take into account the feel of the game, like you mentioned earlier. The 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 you know what's what's the other team done in this game that I didn't have accounted for in my analytics right what, what freshman running back do I have in the game that I didn't know was going to be a freaking stud that I can hand the ball to and obviously you know where I'm going with that comment right that I didn't, that, that didn't factor into my analytics that's my and, point and and it just it, it irritates the snot out of me when I see him make those statements about analytics I'm like dude. I mean, for all the things that I didn't like about, there were a lot of things that I didn't care for about Dana. But by God, Dana didn't give a he. He went one. I mean, look at the Texas game two year three or twenty eighteen. He said, "You know what? We're going to go win the frigging game," and they went and won the game. That's my point. That's what I want to see in my coach right there. Let me tell you something. You want to laugh at this, right? There used to be a phrase that people used to use all the time. I don't really hear it that much now and again, but. Uh, what is it? Uh, um, potential. This yeah. person has a lot of potential, right? Then I used to hear when coaches would get fired, they started coming back with, well, potential got me fired. Yeah. You know why? Because I waited so long for this guy to potentially be good. It never happened and it got me fired. Uh -huh. So analytics, I'm going to put that in the same phrase, right? Yeah. Analytics are really cool on paper, but there has to be something that goes off that script. Correct. That just does not make sense. And because if you're going by analytics and the other guy's going by analytics, then you're playing chess. But the last I check, there's guys that are chess players that will beat by guys who are better in checkers than chess. Because when they do play it, they're going to do something that's so obscure and such a different move that you're like, wait a minute, because it's not the way that most people think. That's mm -hmm. how you win big football games. Yep. You're going to pull something out that they didn't even expect you to do because analytically on their sheet, that's not what you're doing. You changed the whole right. script. Yep. That's a great – I love that analogy. Great analogy. That's a great way Thank to put you. it. Thank you. Um, the uh, Obviously, we talked about Garrett Green. What other players – and obviously we know about C.J. Donaldson, right? And I'm sure as a running back, you love him, right, as a former running uh, back yourself. Oh. Uh, He's listen, he's talented. And the thing is, like we're talking about like switching from what mm -hmm. I understand, he didn't come to WVU as a running back. Did not. Okay. So there it is. There again, if we recruited him 
to, to play this, right? He gets in there, and all of a sudden, you realize <laughs> this guy is a stud in the backfield. Okay, analytics. All right, well, that's not what you recruit him for. <laughs> right. But you switch the script, and look what you yeah. got, right? Right. Barring mm -hmm. injury, that, that kid is a 12, 13, 1,400-yard rusher, barring injury. That right. kid is a 15 to 20 touchdown kid, barring injury, right? Right. What I do like and what I want to see, let's get this young receiver crop in gear. Yes. Right? Yeah. Let's get this young receiver crop in gear with a quarterback that has improved on his ability to throw the football and to read defenses, right? So let's see how this Peyton Manning uh, camp that he went to, let's see how that mm -hmm. plays into and let him play it. Let him play his hand out. Don't pull him if there's a mistake made. Let him play Agreed. his hand out because he's earned Agreed. the right to do that. Agreed. He's been there. He listened to Trust the Climb for two or three years. Okay, well, now trust in him. Let's Bingo. look at that big offensive line that averages yes. over 20 pounds. Let's put our set of backs behind this big offensive line and let these guys become road graders. And let's start opening up some holes and let's pound that rock Let's do the play action. Let's let mm -hmm. Green go to work. Let's do these things. And then let's really start to see what we are. Let's start to set the page. This is what we are. We are a, a downhill running football team with the ability to strike in the long game when mm -hmm. need be, but specifically in offense, guess what we are? We are a mid-range uh, throwing team that's going to be very proficient in that mm -hmm. area of the game. Okay. Mm -hmm. Defensively, I want to get to the quarterback. Let's see these linebackers run yes. free to the let's let these Have big and we got a sizable defensive front that's really good. They might be because I'm looking at how many kids played or whatever. I don't care about that. I'm looking at their size. We should mm -hmm. be able to compete with anybody else's offensive line yes. up our D line. Let Absolutely. these backers get to the quarterback. Let's get to the quarterback. Yeah. In my secondary, let these young people transfer in there. I, I'm hoping I'm hoping they're eating meat, raw meat, just saying it as an analogy, because you <laughs> got people thinking that because they came in from Kent State and uh, the other uh, one was from Kent State. Where's the other young person from? Buffalo, Buffalo. Uh, let them. And we have and we have and we have one from Georgia Southern as well. Let them eat, because mm -hmm. for me, that's the chip that you need. Oh, they think I can't play at this level consistently. I wasn't recruited at this level out of high school, but I'm here now through the transfer portal. Okay, let's go. Let's ball out. Make them hungry. If you can do that, I'm telling you, West Virginia can win six, seven, eight games. Yeah. They'll be the surprise of college football. And if Neil Brown doesn't understand anything else, you got to understand competitive nature. If he doesn't get anything else, you got to get competitive nature. You got some kids in that in that locker room that they can't wait to be competitive, but they want to be out. Let them out the box. Let them out the cage. Let them go and play, mm -hmm. and then let the chips fall as they may. Yeah, yeah. We heard during the preseason about how last year's defense they were having to think too much, and they made it too complicated. They said they were simplifying it this year so they wouldn't have to think. But hopefully they did that. Let's hope they did that so these guys could just go play. Right, like you said, let them just go play. Yeah. You know, You're gonna stop. have to. Yeah. You're gonna have to. I'm gonna tell you right now. Watch 
how Penn State opens the game. Watch how Penn State opens the game. This has been a staple. I don't care who the head coach has been. Historically, and you go back and you check the Penn State teams, whether they've been good or bad, Penn State has always been proficient in the run game. Right. They've always been persistent in the run game. Mm-hmm. So technically, not to be disrespectful or dismissive of their quarterbacks, they've had some good ones over the years. Don't, don't, you know what I'm saying? But right. you look at the last 20 years of a Penn State roster, and you will see a 1,000-yard rusher. Yeah. Why is that? That's their staple. We're going to win games yep. behind the running. So it don't matter who's that quarterback. That's always been the notion at Penn State. Think about it. You think about yeah. how many great running backs have come through that program over the last 20 years. I guarantee they've you get... they've had more great court, uh, running backs than they had quarterbacks. And they have more this year. So uh, you they're, better they're... believe yep. they're going to come in this game and they're going to run the football. Yep. I agree. And they've, and they've got a quarterback who's supposedly really good and a stud, but he's really young too. So right. when you have a young quarterback with very little experience – you put put it on the shoulders of your running game, right? To let them, let them, you know, get a feel for the game, and and you know, let everything settle down, let the emotion settle down. Then you can start throwing the ball around the yard a little bit, right? But I'm still, fired up. so you got me fired up. You you got me fired up. Yeah, yeah. Well, you can't throw if you're on your back. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that, and last year's defense was not aggressive enough, Eugene. Our defense did way too much sitting back. Trying to play passing lanes, you, you forced you forced our DBs who were who were inexperienced, in some cases really young, try Not to cover these deep, try to cover these P five guys that they just weren't ready to cover one on one yet. Not their and fault, you, and you had to cover them for four, five, six seconds because there Not was their, no pressure. Not their right. fault. You know what? Like I said, I, I'm gonna tell you, I'm this guy. I, here, here's me. That's on your coach. That's on your coach. It is. I agree. Starters don't put themselves on the field. So if you put that starting 11 out there, offense, defense, special teams, then they should be coached up. Yeah. If that's your starter, then he knows what he needs to do. We have scouting reports. You know, you go through during Coach Nealon's era, and, and most coaches I've talked to at this level – So you go through your little script, you go through your little scouting report, you take your little test to see if you know what the heck you're doing, right? Right. And if you grade out 90%, you're ready to go. Then that means you have everything in your head to now go and execute on that field. If that doesn't happen, that's on your coach. Yep. So when I get get upset with, with, with some people who don't understand that, Oh, that kid is horrible. First off, I'm not I'm not that guy. That's why you don't hear me talk about if a player is good, bad, or indifferent. Mm-hmm. That's a young man out there. Do you think that these young people want to go out there and lose football games? Right. No. If it's right. left up to them, they'll be 12 and 0 every year. So that's great, not it. Great point. Yeah. 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 That's not it. Don't put don't put it, you know, don't put it on the kids. You put them on the field, then they should be ready to play. And I agree with you. Last year we were a little bit too passive defensively. You can't they got more thinking. When they got more aggressive in the last three or four games of the year, they played better. 
Absolutely. They held Oklahoma. What they they held Oklahoma to what twenty points? I think it was Absolutely. or something like that. Thank you. But one, I mean, to me, the to me, the winning formula has been displayed for them. By all you have to do is go back and look at the last three games of last season. Now we didn't win the Kansas State game, but but they played better. They were at least competitive and played better. Absolutely. We beat Oklahoma State. We beat Oklahoma. Look at those games. What did you do in those games that was different than the? The, the previous nine. That's what you do. If you want to look, because I know people always say, well, West Virginia, then you get you get caught up in the nonsense that Dana talked about some years ago. We can't recruit. We don't have the talent. BS. Go and look at Kansas. All right? Go and look at yeah. Kansas. So you're telling me that Kansas, <laughs> and again, this is no disrespect to Kansas. I, I, I like the staff there. What I'm saying is, right. to make the comparison point, so yep. you're telling me that Kansas over the last three years has out-recruited West Virginia? No. You're telling me from top to bottom with that their roster, their roster is better than West Virginia's roster top to bottom. No way. No. But what they do, they know exactly who they are. They know their identity. Yep. And that's my point. I made. A, I said something a few seconds ago. I want to go back on that real quick. I said that you don't win or like on defense, you, you know, you, you can't be thinking. What I'm saying is you can't be thinking so much to the point where it stops your athletic flow to do what, what comes natural. Mm -hmm. And that's and, and, and to your point, you were saying that they're, they're saying now that they're going to scale it back a little bit so these guys can play faster, make simplify the defense, simplify mm -hmm. the calls so they can just go out there and react. Right. If I'm thinking three seconds, man, that play is gone. Yeah. That play is gone. As a DB, if I'm stuck in my back pedal for two seconds, that receiver is up the field, man. Yep. Absolutely. It, yeah, that's what I mean. No, you, you you can't. If I'm a quarterback and we made the call, and in my head I got, you know, well, yeah, I'm, I'm doing my reads and going through my reads, but oh, my God, you know, I got five, six. No, you have to play the game. Call the play. Know what you're doing and then have faith in what that player has the ability to do that you put on the field. Yep, 100%. Um, in this Penn State game, Eugene, a couple more questions and then we'll let, I'll let you out of here. But in this Penn State game, other than obviously quarterback play, being aggressive on defense, who's the one player, other, you know, other than ones we've already talked about, who's one guy that you think needs to play well for us to have a chance to win? Honestly, it's not just one guy. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be completely forthright. The entire offensive line. Yep. They have to play well. They have yep. they, they really do. And I'm not trying to put any more added pressure. They have to play well because this game can get away from us real quick if we're not able to convert on third and short. Mm -hmm. And we can't keep the offense on the field. Um so I'm going to yes. say it's not a particular player. That offensive line is gonna to have to show up and they're gonna to have to rule the rules and they're gonna to have to push. Penn State's defensive line around the field. Yeah. Honestly. Because if we well can said. do that, you kind of you make the game long for Penn State. And what I mean by that is you want that type of game. Because if it's a short game, that means they're punting a lot. You understand what I'm saying to you? That means yes. we're out three and out, three and right. out. New. You can't come into a hostile environment already with a team that's ranked that high. They know why they're ranked that high. They're good at what they do. They're proficient, right? So we have to go and knock them kind of off that a little bit, get them thinking. And the only mm -hmm. way you can do that, you have to control the clock, which means you're converting with third and short. 
You're mm-hmm. on the field more than their offense is on the field. Yep. If we can, I'm well telling said. you, if we, if we can do that, I think we'll be fine. I have been using that. I feel like this offensive line this year has a chance to be elite, and I have been using that. Our offensive line is as proof as to why we are being picked way too low in the preseason polls. Because usually when you're good up front, you have a good football team. And we should be good up front. Now it's time for those guys to go out and prove me and all the and you and everybody else right that this offensive line has arrived, finally arrived, and we're here, right? They're Absolutely. here. Absolutely. Uh, so, so great, great point. All right. Last thing, Eugene. What uh what's your who's your pick to win and what do you have a score prediction? Okay. So I was fighting with this going back and forth for the last at least the last month, right? So there's a lot of ifs. If what's if we do this, if we do this, if we do this. Okay. So let's say this. Let's say if if all the stars aligned, what an analogy since I hate stars, like the five star and all that, right? <laughs> <laughs> so let's just say on this given night that yeah. all the stars aligned. And we play and we make minimal mistakes on defense, minimal mistakes on offense. Our special teams get two turnovers, right? And we convert those yes. into points. Yep. Right? Okay. Mm-hmm. West Virginia wins this game if all of that happens, right? Mm-hmm. West Virginia wins this game 24-17. I like it. You yeah. heard it here. 24-17. Okay. And how I, because of those two turnovers that we convert into points, mm-hmm. it can be either 10 points, a touchdown on the field goal, or two touches, and you get 14 points out of it. It can't be right. you convert six points, two field goals. It can't be that. No. It can't field be goals that. Are, field goals are not winning this game. You have to have no. six. Yeah, you got to have touchdowns. That's just yeah. what it is. When you go yeah. into this hostile environment, Penn State is a good football team. I have no qualms and I have no problem saying that. They are a well-coached, a well-balanced, a very good football team with talent from top to bottom. But mm-hmm. in order to take them down in their own house, we have to almost go in there and play mistake-free football. And once yep. again, the stars have to align for that to happen. I agree with that 100%. And, we have, and they've got to start – this defense has not – West Virginia defense has not been forcing turnovers at a high clip. I mean, they've not even been forcing them at a, a decent clip. It's been uh, terrible. Especially yes. last year. I mean, they had four picks. Four picks in 12 games, Eugene. I mean, that's no, – I've seen teams that, get four picks in one game. Yeah, that's not you – know? and that's what I mean. That's not going to get it done. Let no. them young men eat. Let them play. But if you – like back to what you said earlier, get pressure on the quarterback, force them into making mistakes. The quarterback – and I said this in a show earlier. The quarterback is going to come out. He's young. Yeah, he does have some experience, but he's young. He's playing in front of 110,000 people. His adrenaline is going to be as high as it's ever been in his life. He might overthrow some balls. If you put pressure in his face, he might overthrow some balls, and you got a chance to get a pick or two. Absolutely. Let me just say this about that young man. I'm going to tell you something, right? So he came here for that. He came here for this. It's the reason why he picked Penn State, right? Right. He didn't just open. He just didn't wake up and realize he's gonna be playing in front of one hundred ten thousand people. <laughs> mm-hmm. right. He came in for this. He'll be ready. Right. He will be ready. The issues right. for us, we need to be ready to make sure we kind of help him not have the kind of breakout night yeah. that he there wants. To. <laughs> yeah. It's up. It's up. Story. Yeah. It's up to West Virginia to force him into that mistake. Those mistakes. Absolutely. I'm with you. All right. 
Here's my prediction, and I, I'm with you. I've been – I mean, I've been basically saying for months that I think West Virginia is probably not going to win, but it's just been by how much. Uh, because, like you said, the game will have to go perfect almost and, and play mistake-free for us to win, in my opinion. The likelihood of that happening on the road in that environment is probably slim. Let's be honest. Right. But I don't know if I buy the 19-and-a-half spread, which is what it was the last time I checked. I'm pretty confident we can keep it closer than that. Um, and I think I think the I'm picking a final score of uh, 31-17 Pitt, or I'm sorry, Penn State, 31-17. I think we keep it close through three quarters, and in the fourth quarter, there's some fluky mistake or fluky turnover that we do, and Penn State capitalizes on it and, and puts it out of reach yeah. and late in the game. Gotcha. That's that's kind of how I see it. I hope I'm completely wrong and we win it, and it goes the other way, but. You know what? I'm going with my gut, and uh, 31-17 is my pick. I got you. Listen, so, there's nothing wrong with going with your gut. I've gone with my gut my whole entire life, and and I thank God for more times than not, my gut was right. <laughs> yeah. I hope this, this – you know, this is not life or death here. I'm just picking a game, right? So, I'm, I'm, I really hope I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Listen. And I, hope my Mountaine- and I hope my Mountaineers prove me wrong in this one. Right, I was going to say you and the entire. But I, I just when I look at the talent on this Penn State team and what they bring back from last year, man, it is they're scary good. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's what that's what I mean. Oh, they're good. They're they're a good football yeah. team. And you know what? And, and to be honest with you, they're deserving of a top ten ranking. They are. They are. They are. Yeah. Just being real about it, they are. But we're not deserving of somebody saying we're going to win one game. No, no, we're not. We're better than that. And I yeah. and I think this team's going to prove it. Uh, you know, not necessarily this game. Even if we don't win this game, they're going to win some games this year. I have no doubt about it. And if not, let me tell you right now, if not, I'll meet you in Morgantown and we'll help, you know, we'll, we'll help, uh, we'll, we'll help, uh, with the, with the moving vans. <laughs> you got that right. Hey, uh, speaking of that, do you think there's any chance at all? I know West Virginia has never fired a coach in the middle of a season. If things, no. West Virginia, if things go wrong early on in this year, we could be one and four. We could be sitting here at one and four at one point. We could be. No, I think it's the culture, and I and I respect yeah. our culture at WVU. We I, don't do. I, we've never done that. We've never fired a coach in the middle of the season. Uh, I do respect that, honestly. Yeah, uh, I know yeah. most people don't want to hear that. We've never been that program. You know, it's always been no matter how the wheels can fall off. It's always been. You know, you give this person their tenure, you give them their, you know, their season or whatever, and then at the end of the year, you make your decisions. I, I do respect that. Yeah, and I, I've been telling people, people have been asking me, you know, that, that aren't West Virginia fans, do you think they'll fire them? You know, if they go X, you know, one and four, and I'm like, I don't think they will because West Virginia just doesn't do that. Number one, they don't do it. It's not who they are. It's not not we what they're known never- for historically. Right. And it's just, I mean, to we be honest have. with you, they don't fire. I don't know. I've not known them to fire a coach in my lifetime. Every coach we've lost has been because they left. They chose to leave, you know, uh, for the, for the most part. I mean, well, Dana, it was, a, you know, you could say that was a mutual, mutual parting of the ways, but I don't think they fired him per se. Well, no, I, no, they didn't fire him. There was a mutual parting of the ways, but how he got there was interesting as well. So I'll, I'll leave it at that. God bless uh, coach. Stewart. Right. Right. Yeah. So there you, know, you go. Turn the page. Yeah. You know, you want to turn the page. Well, right? yeah. I guess you could. I guess you could say he got fired. Yeah. I, I had yeah. forgot about that. I had forgot about that whole ugly incident. Right. You want to turn the page, but not understanding. So you won ten games, nine games, nine games, nine games, and you know that's not good enough. Whatever. Yeah. 
I'm with you. Okay. Yeah. All right. Look, I, I tell you this real quick. I guarantee you, his four year window. I bet you we'd be happy with with with, with those, that four years of a progress yeah. versus where we are now. Absolutely. This is the and Eugene. I'm sure you know this, but the the this is the worst four year stretch in West yes. Virginia football since the late '70s, before I was I, even born. Absolutely. And I'm gonna tell you something. I talk to my former teammates uh, about this all the time. Look, no, we're not happy. No, we don't feel comfortable winning three, four, five, six football games a year because that's not what West Virginia was built on. Right. So let me be clear. I'm saying it because I hear it from all, and I'm talking about all eras of of Mountaineers, not just, you know, my four yeah. years there. So it kind of tells you it, it's resonating with us. No matter what part of the country we live in, we still love our Mountaineers. We still love our university. So, yeah, we're upset. Because we know we have a much better product yep. than what college football is seeing. Yep. Agreed. 100%. We're, we're better than this. West Virginia is better in the last four years. Absolutely. As a program. There's no, there's, there's no, listen, there's no doubt about it. Yeah. All right. Well, you, everybody, uh, once again, go check Eugene out over at Napoleon's Corner. Uh, he has his own YouTube channel. Go check it out. Uh, some very, I really enjoyed the last episode about, you know, the uh, pros of, of having your kids involved in sports. I encourage you, you to go check out that episode. Check him out over on the Mountaineers Now channel with his Relatively Sports show. He also does shows with Scott or Callahan. Follow him on X at Napoleon underscore Eugene. He's on Facebook. He's all over the place, man. And by the way, what is your beautiful wife doing these days, Eugene? What's on her? Uh, what's coming man, up so, with her? I'm so glad you asked. So just last Wednesday, we got finished doing um, – Mental health talks. It's in Jer- it was in Jersey City, my my, my uh, old hometown, and it was really cool. You know, we linked with Alliance uh, Community Healthcare. It, it's 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 a uh, a health facility that that's been really really good in our community for 30, 40 years in Jersey City. So we linked with them, and and we're doing this whole mental health piece, which I think is very important. So my beautiful wife came in. She sung two of her inspirational, motivational songs. She did a speaking topic. And then I was a keynote speaker, so I closed it out. So that was awesome. Um, we was just in the studio yesterday finishing up her next new single, which I'm so, it's called Break Me. So we're going to release that probably, God willing, towards the end of September. It'll be available on all streaming platforms. And then uh, on September 8th, Fashion Week is such a huge deal. New York City, uh, either New York, L.A., uh, uh, London, those are huge mm-hmm. places. Well, she's going to perform two of her songs, number one hit songs, uh, during New York Fashion Week on awesome. September Friday. So I'm real at Sony Hall. Oh, that'll I'm, be great. Oh, that's going to be amazing. So I'm very, very happy. You know, we're finishing up, putting the finishing touches on her EP. Um, but her new single, Break Me, I'm telling you, mm-hmm. uh, you're going to really like that one. I'm, I'm telling you, it, it, it's it's a good one. It's a good one. And, and uh, tell everyone what her what her name is, for those who may so, not know. Right. So her stage name is Naya, N-Y apostrophe A. You can find her music anywhere that you download or any streaming platform in the world her music is on. N-Y apostrophe A, Naya. Um, go stream it. Go take a look at it. Spotify, anywhere. Like I said, anywhere that you normally would download your music, either on your phone or your computer, 
you could find her music. All right. Awesome. Thanks for that, Eugene. Thank so you. Everybody go check out Naya, uh, download her music, check out her work. And congratulations to her for all her successes, Eugene. I'm sure you're a proud husband. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I like cool. to give you the chance to, to brag about her because she's earned it. Listen, I, I am. For those who don't know, like I said, real quick, you know, two-time Grammy considered recording artist, four-time platinum award-winning recording artist, gold-selling, 18 number one independent hits. 18. Yeah. I mean, awesome. I listen, I can't. I'm humbled and blessed. Let me tell you. Yeah, she, she's an amazing woman. She's an amazing talent. She's an amazing mother, wife, friend, um, all the above. We've been married 30 years, and I just thank God for it every day. Yeah. And you know what? I didn't even think we'd be remiss, Eugene. I, I know we've been on here an hour, but I'd be remiss if I did not give a shout out to your son, Brandon. And he made the what? What list did he make recently? So it's, it's crazy, right? So he's a defensive back coach at the University of Rhode Island, and he made the 30 under 30 list, which makes him one of the top 30 coaches in the country under the age of 30. Yeah. So and that was uh, but to, uh, uh, 24-7 sports, uh, which is, again, and thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, very, yeah. We're, we're very proud of him. We're very proud of him. So they, they got a big and one. Uh, this Thursday night, they open up uh, Georgia State. Okay, that is a big one, and he and he's hey, look, he's a Mountaineer too. You know, we can't forget right. that he played he played for West Virginia under Dana Holgerson. That's right. He was uh, part of Dana's first recruiting class. Yeah. Yep. So, so that's right. Once a Mountaineer, so he's always moving, a that's right, baby. And he's moving up the coaching ladder. Who know? Who knows? Maybe one of these days we'll see him donning the old golden blue on the sidelines in Morgantown. Right. From your lips to God's ears. Absolutely. Right. I, um, I hope so. I, we would consider that bring them on home. That's, that's absolutely. Well, Eugene, man, thank you so much uh, for giving me an hour of your time. I know you're a busy guy. Uh, again, uh, honored to have you on here. Uh, everybody go check his shows out. Check him out on Twitter, uh, X. Check him out on Facebook. Check out no. Napoleon's Corner. Uh, Eugene, thanks again. We thank are you. out. Let's go, Mountaineers. You are Q Country Roads, baby. Got it. Cue it. <laughs>